ahead of you if you need to, but I need you all to stand on your heads. Come on. We're not going to sit down then. I, I, I hope you had more smiles for the visiting pastor the last two weeks. You, you guys look pretty somber this morning. Spring is coming. It's, it's still out there. We, we can testify and, you know, we, we won't rub it in or say that it was 80 every day that we were down there and that the sun shone the whole time we were there. We, we won't rub that in. But it's coming, folks. Truly it is, okay? So there is something to look forward to and something to smile about. Um, yeah. I, I did get a couple smiles from that little one during singing when I looked at her, so thank you, Eliza. How are we doing? Okay. Anybody have a rough week? Is, is it better now or not? Maybe? Okay. I want to thank you for praying for me. I, before we left for Florida, two things were going wrong. There's something with the turbocharger on our car, and I had a tooth that was bothering me before we even left. Finally, the Friday, I got the tooth pulled out of there. So that's, that's on the mend and repairing. Um, but I, I was in a lot of pain this past Wednesday. Man, it, it was just shooting up here, and it just, man, that's, that, that stuff hurts. And now that I'm getting old, I've never had real good teeth, but um, I, I guess the best way is just to pull them out and get rid of them all. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll find out with time, but... Oh, man, it feels so much better with, with that just out of there. Aside from that, the, the fellow in Florida wouldn't take my insurance. It would have cost me 410 bucks, and so we waited till we got back here, and it only cost me 30 so we're thankful for that. <laughs> I'll keep it short. Long story. Short story could be long, but I'll keep it short. Is this is the first year that, that Beth and I have bought dental insurance. Um, after I was in the military, of course, it was taken care of. And when I worked up in Houghton, we had a job that had it. And the first four years here, um, we weren't eligible because we had one kind. So we bought into the other kind, and now we can have it. And this is the right year to do it. So we thank the Lord just for, for his leading in that direction as well. Open God's words, if you would to Acts chapter 15. We'll do a brief review, not to try not to extend it too long, although I am going to read some of chapter uh, 15 before we get into the end of 15 and 16. Um, if you'll recall, Acts 13 and 14 were the first missionary journey. Uh, do we have our, our, yeah, look at the, yeah, well, when, when I get done pointing out on the map, go back to that title, because I want them to look at that too. But, we had Paul and Barnabas leaving Antioch. They went to Salamis, Paphos. Then they came over back to the mainland to Italia. Went over to Pergia before they went up to Antioch. Antioch to Iconium and then to Lystra and Derbe. And then they followed their, their paths back to Antioch. And when they got back to Antioch, they kept uh, ministering the word to the church there. 
to the people. And uh, then some, at the beginning of chapter 15, verse 1, it says, And some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. And we know that that's not true. That is just wrong. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to do away with the law. Remember, in Acts so far, we've talked that Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the temple, and he fulfilled prophecies. Good. Those are the three things, not the only three, but those are three of the main things that Jesus Christ fulfilled when he came to the earth and he died on the cross for our sins. And so what these men were teaching was a lie. It was something that they, as, as, as of the Pharisees, um, couldn't, couldn't get over the fact that they were going to be no longer relevant, that, that the temple wasn't the center of the worship, that it was Jesus Christ that should be the focus of our worship. And, and they, they had, for a, thousand, a couple thousand years, that's all they had known was to follow the Mosaic Law. And so they had a real hard time, and it's understandable. We get stuck in our ruts and our traditions, but they, they had to understand that Jesus Christ came and was all that was needed. And, and we said repeatedly in the last few weeks of preaching that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, that there, that there is nothing needed for, that, that we can do to earn our salvation, to earn our eternal life. That, that isn't ours to earn. Our Savior Jesus Christ did that for us. It was his work on the cross that made salvation possible. And there is no other way, neither is there any other name under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12. It is only through the name of Jesus Christ. And so these men, after, after Paul and Barnabas returned from their first missionary journey, and they're, they're, they're working uh, in the church in Antioch, that this fellow heads down and says, hey, you got to be circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not what Jesus came to do. So as we look through, as we look through chapter 15, we, if, you're, if you're giving each chapter in the Bible a short title or something, just to try to kind of remember, like um, John 10 is, is the good shepherd, right? And John 15 is he's the vine and the branches. Some of these things that just pop out at you. What you can put here is the Jerusalem Council. Acts 15 is the Jerusalem Council. So Paul and Barnabas in, in verse 2 there, they head, they head down with some of the, the, to Jerusalem from Antioch. Uh, with some of the elders of the church there in Antioch. Along with this, this fellow here that wants to preach something other than the word of God. And they, they head down, and we remember, we're not going to review each one of them right now, but there was four meetings. And then from that four, the, the four meetings, let's make sure I get my notes here. There was, in verses 6 to 11, as, as uh, Peter begins speaking uh, in response to this, that he says, let's see here. Uh, there was four actions, okay? We like the action verbs of what God does for his people. Um, in this chapter, verses 6 through 11, he chose Peter to take the gospel to the, to the uh, Gentiles. He gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles in the same way that he gave it to the Jews. Uh, he erased the distinction between Jew and Gentile, and he removed the yoke of the law. 
that, that the Jews no longer needed to live under that. Okay? And, and Peter is telling the, the, the group, the gathering in Jerusalem, this is what God did for us when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. Then verse 12, Paul and Barnabas get to say their piece and they kind of give us a brief synopsis of chapters 13 and 14 of Acts and, and tell of their missionary journey and their work. And then in verse 13, after they had stopped speaking, James answered, and then the rest of the chapter up to verse, 30, up to verse 35 is, is uh, James as, as the, the main leader in the church in Jerusalem taking his turn to speak and say, guys, this is the way it is. Because of what Jesus Christ did, this is the way that it is according to the scriptures. Okay, and I'm going to start reading at verse 19 just in review because it's really important that we understand what the council decided and what they did and what they were going to do, how they were going to disseminate the word and the decision of the council to the other churches so that the churches understood and knew that Gentiles did not have to be circumcised to become Christians, to become Christ followers. Verse 19, therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Bersabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren, and they sent this letter to them. The apostles and the brethren who are elders, to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number, to whom we have no instruction who, who, excuse me, whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. And any time anytime that we hear something that is contrary to God's word, I pray that the Holy Spirit will unsettle your soul. It seemed good to us, verse 25, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same thing by word of mouth. Verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you do well, farewell. Now, we, in, on the 19th of February, about three weeks ago, we, we discussed that, in that there was, there was two things that were no-brainers, that, that we abstained from idolatry and that we abstained from, from sexual immorality. Um, those none of us should have, contend with or have a problem with. Um, then the other, those, those are things that require our obedience. It's not a suggestion or a recommendation. We have to obey that because that's God's word. We need to flee fornication and we need to flee idolatry. The other two things were, were th some, shall we say, concessions. Um, 
This, this, is, this is where, I, and, and you'll see through the rest of the message, this is where I have some struggles in, in my mind and in, in my heart reconciling it and making it because they, they, they didn't want to offend the Jews, and I get that. We're not to cause our brothers to, to stumble, our brothers in the faith. Um, but when God's word says something, why can't we just live with that? Forgive me, I'll try to explain and hopefully it'll make more sense as we go on. Is, is that they, they were asking the Gentiles to, to not eat meat that was still bloody or to not eat meat that the animal was strangled. Because when they strangle, um, when they strangle the animal or chicken, all the blood doesn't drain properly as it does when they don't strangle them, okay? I'm not, I'm not a, a, a meat packer or, or a butcher or understand all of that uh, and how that goes. Um, but we do understand from the law of Moses that he, he wanted them to stay away from eating the blood of the animals because it wasn't healthy for them, it wasn't good for them. So, um, let's see. Okay, and, and James is, is writing this down, and, and Silas, okay, and Judas are going to take these letters at least back to Antioch, and, and we'll see more later, um, to, to tell the churches there that this is what the Jerusalem Council has decided. And, and um, that, that they don't need to circumcise the Gentiles for them to come to faith, that it's based on the work of, of Christ alone, that, that we have salvation. So, verse 30. So when they sent them away, they went to Antioch, and having, having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. Who did? Judas and Silas. Paul and Barnabas were there as well. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. They, they were, as you can assume, the, the Gentiles were glad that they didn't have to become circumcised in order to be saved. To come to, that they didn't have to follow the Jewish traditions to, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 32, Judas and Silas also being prophets themselves encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. And after they had spent time there, and, and see, I think that's, that's license right there that a preacher can preach as long as he wants, that, that there should be no limits. But anyhow, after they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. George Sweeting in his book, The Acts of God, says that Gentile believers were free from the yoke of the law, though the problem arose again and again, the issue was settled by the Jerusalem Council, and, and we're going to see in the very next chapter, chapter 16, that all the, the problem was settled by the council in Acts 15, that it's already coming back up in chapter 16. Doesn't take long. Satan is going to stir what he can. Uh, he's going to try to confuse and, and make it unclear uh, so that people won't understand that they will be confused and they won't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and so I, I just appreciated that George Sweeting acknowledges that that the issue was settled by the Jerusalem Council. Well, actually, it was settled by Jesus Christ himself. The, the council just agreed. Um, 
So here now, we, as, as we come into verse 36, today's uh, section 36 to 41 is going to be one section. I'm going to try to make it through 16, 1 through 5. Verse 36 of 15, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, he's, he's got the missionary itch. He wants to get on the road again. Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. We want to go and see how they're doing. How's the church doing? Um, you know, I mean, if, if this fellow can come into the church in Antioch, which is kind of the, the, the mother church there, it's where Christians were first called Christians. If, if, if Satan can attack this and try to confuse us, you know, we're not there watching over these churches. We need to go and check on them, make sure that they continue to teach the truth and walk in the way. Verse 37, Barnabas was desirous of taking John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with them and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed to the brethren uh, to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, if you look at the title of this message, it's not a doesn't seem like it's a real spiritual title to a message, but these guys got some things to work out here. And in the beginning of the next chapter, there are some things that need to be worked out. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to work some of them out in my own heart and understanding of, of what's what here in, in, in the way that it was preached, okay? Um, Matthew Henry said in his commissary, commentary uh, talking about the, the contention with, with Paul and Barnabas here. Um, and, and folks, it wasn't just, um, there, there was anger involved. The, the Greek words used uh, stir up a, a lot of emotion. There was contention there. there was an, they were angry at each other over the, making this decision. And so one thing we need to, to minister, uh, understand in ministry and in churches, uh, we always say, well, I'm not going to church until I find the perfect church. And, of course, we always say, when you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. Okay? And besides that, there is no such thing as a perfect church because there's people involved. And so there, there, there will be contention because I like orange carpet, and you all put this carpet down instead of orange carpet. Okay, and, and the color of the curtains or the fragrance of the soap in the bathroom or whatever stupid thing that, that we want to come up and disagree about, Satan will try to use that to stir up conflict. And so we need to understand, uh, Matthew Henry's commentary said, the best of men are but men. Okay, and, and to, we, we have to be careful that we, that we don't worship Paul and Barnabas Okay, they're, they're men, um, and, and Peter had that when they, uh, Peter and John did uh, the healing in the temple, and, um, and then we just saw a couple chapters ago uh, when Paul and Barnabas were on the first missionary trip, uh, I can't remember if it was Antioch or Iconium, but that, that the people wanted to worship them, okay, the people wanted to worship them because they thought they were gods, and they said, no, no, we're just men, just like you. So we, we need to be careful in the way that we revere and look at Paul and Barnabas is, is that they were men too. 
And, and they had strong desires and feelings for what they wanted to do. Um, and we need to be careful um, because we say, well, the result here was a good thing. Now there's two missionary teams going out, and that's a good thing. Well, we have to be careful because not all contention and, and strife and, and difficulties in the church have good results. And, and, and it's just something that we need to be aware of and be cautious of. Says so when we think it, uh, let's see, we are, we are not to think it strange if there be differences among wise and good men. Confirmed particularly in their opinion, churches uh, must not be imposing ceremony. No, that's for the next section, sorry. That's talking about 16, 1 through 5, my bad. But the, 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 the idea that... that um, well, Paul and Barnabas would never get angry at each other. That's not a godly action or reaction, is it? Well, no, it's not, but, but they were men, okay? Now, why, why, why this anger over whether to take John Mark or not? And, and this, is, this is where I, 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 I struggle because in, in, I'm trying to think who it was now. John Stott. In, in his commentary on, on Acts, says that if you think this way, you're, you're of a little mind. In other words, he's belittling those that don't agree with him essentially, and so maybe I'm of the little mind because I don't agree in as great a man as John Stott is. I'm nobody, uh, but I, I just struggle sometimes with the way that he, that he processed through the, these thoughts. Now let me focus on the word. Um, why, why not John Mark? Well, if you look in Acts chapter, I believe it's 13. Yep, Acts 13, uh, verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I don't see John Mark's name there. Okay? The Holy Spirit called Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called them. And the, and the church laid hands on them, prayed, and sent them off on their missionary trip. Well, John Mark was a cousin to, to Barnabas. And, and they were going to head off to Cyprus. And that's where, where Barnabas' family and John Mark, were, where they had their roots. That's where they traced their family back to. And, and they had family still on the island. So it would make sense that John Mark would want to go see the family his mother was Mary in Jerusalem and, and was a very wealthy woman. Uh, and it appears that John Mark was used to living somewhat of an easy life. Um, not, not real difficult. Didn't worry about where the next meal was going to come from. So when they got through that and, they, and they're heading up into uh, Italia in, in Perga there on the coast. Um, John says, John Mark said, see you guys later. And Paul took great offense at that. And, and I, I understand that. But at the same time, John Mark was just there as an assistant. He, he wasn't there as the primary. He wasn't the one that the Holy Spirit directed on this missions trip. And so I, I think possibly um, that Paul and Barnabas, you know, Barnabas was his, his uncle and maybe had spoiled him a little bit on this trip. And hadn't expected much of him, and was so more was was more forgiving that, that John Mark left him, 
And, and Paul says, I absolutely don't want this guy with us because he deserted us when the going got tough. So um, Barnabas says, okay, well, I'll take him. And Paul and, and or excuse me, Barnabas and John Mark go back to Cyprus, okay, which, which was an easy trip for him again because they had relatives there. I understand that. And Paul takes off with Silas, who is one of the fellows that came up with Jerusalem carrying the letter uh, and, and bringing the letter and the news from the council to say this, this is what the council decided. And again, I say this is what Christ decided and the council agreed with, and this is the way we're going to carry it out in the church. I like, um, and I quote Warren Wearsby here, um, the way, kind of the perspective, and it, and it has to do with personalities, uh, the way that Paul looked at it and the way that Barnabas looked at it. Warren Wearsby says, Paul looked at, at people and said, what can they do for God's work? Barnabas looked at people and said, what can God's work do for them? Okay, and, and we, we've known and, and sensed from the personalities, that's why the church called Barnabas the, the, the son of encouragement, uh, is, is he was one that would come alongside and, 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 and help a, a young one to grow, where Paul was like, you know the truth, let's go, we're going to do it, and, and was a little less, I don't want to say forgiving, but he, he just had higher expectations, which is not a bad thing. So the two, the two teams go, um, and, and to some extent, in some sense, they were, they were both wrong, and, and they were both right. So, we, again, as we, work, as we work things out in the church, and, and we have disagreements, we need to always focus on what God's word says. And, and what, what goes, and we, we, need to, we need to say, God, what is your plan for us? Not, God, here's our plan, bless it. God, what do you, what is your plan for us as a body of believers here? How do you want us to proceed? How do you want us to reach into the community? How do you want us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Again, Warren Wearsby said, if God had to depend on perfect people to accomplish his work, he'd never get anything done. Any of us perfect? Any of y'all perfect? Any of you on a good day think you're perfect? Might not want to answer that out loud, okay? Eventually, we, we see, and I'll give you three verses to follow up with, um, to, if you want to dig deeper. Um, Paul accepted and needed John Mark. John Mark, obviously, as he grew in the faith and, and developed his relationship with Jesus Christ, proved himself to be a faithful servant. In Colossians 4.10, 2 Timothy 4.11, and Philemon verses 23 and 24, just support the fact that, that Paul uh, saw some value and some worth in John Mark as, as time and ministry went on. We know that there's no such thing as a perfect church because there's no perfect people. But we must walk humbly and graciously before God and before each other. 
in, in, in Philippians 2 where, where it talks about having the mind of Christ and, and, and putting others before ourselves comes, comes that, that opportunity to, to be humbly gracious and, and to understand and admit that we have faults, that none of us are perfect, that we... I, I can't help it that y'all don't like orange carpet. That's not my problem. That's your problem, okay? I jest on that. I hope for those that don't know me real well, I, I don't care what color the carpet is. I really don't. It's fun to tease about it, though. Who would want orange carpet? Anyhow, not all Christian arguments are justified. Sometimes we get in the way and our pride causes others to stumble, causes ourselves to stumble, and, and keeps us, it, it, it gets us in the way of letting God accomplish what he wants to accomplish here. And we ought not to let it be. Verse 40, uh, chapter 15, verse 40 of Acts. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So they went by land this time. If I could get the map again, Stephen, thanks. This time they're leaving Antioch and instead of sailing, of course, um, Paul and, or excuse me, Barnabas and John Mark head back to Cyprus. Uh, Paul and Silas head up this way through Cilicia, and they come to the, they start with the churches of Derby and Lystra here. Chapter 16. And he came also to Derby and to Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. <clears throat> now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. Um, I, I struggle when we get in the way of the word because we think we know better. I'm going to read an excerpt from a book here. Um, it's written by two pastors. One is a very famous pastor that I'm sure you've all heard of. And most likely, most of us, if not all of us, have heard preach messages on the radio or TV. It says, this is a book that they've written together, and the one pastor writes the first part, and the other pastor writes the next part in response. 
Dress is a very personal matter. In certain traditions, the wearing of a surplice or gown means that dress is largely taken care of, but for others of us, it is not. The way we dress should reflect our sense of privilege at being Jesus Christ's representatives. Although he does not look upon outward appearance, but upon our hearts, we know that the world at large expects important occasions to be handled with dignity, and rightly or wrongly, see he's even, just the wording, rightly or wrongly, they may come to conclude about our respect for God by the way we dress. We should be clean, smart, and yet unspectacular in our appearance and clothing when we are in the public eye so that we do not draw attention away from the worship of God and careful listening to his word to ourselves. In response, the other pastor says, I have raised the hackles of some by introducing a policy of no facial hair for members of my pastoral team. The reason is quite simple to ensure that we are clean, smart, and unspectacular. And who said that? Just above, another man said that. Not in God's word, okay? To ensure that we are clean, smart, and unspectacular, which is obviously open to interpretation by everybody or anybody. It is the only way I can ensure, and, and <laughs> it's the only way I can ensure that we will be safe from a variety of handlebar mustaches, goatees, and bushy beards in which birds might safely nest. The fact that this would have excluded Spurgeon and many others from our pastoral team causes me no, lo lo no loss of sleep. So we're going to ignore God's word and institute our own set of policy here because we know better than God. We, we know that it's more important that, that somebody in the world see us as clean, smart, and unspectacular. But God looks at our hearts. God's more concerned about our hearts than he is on what we look like. Now, and we, we applied that to our kids growing up. That We let them get themselves dressed for school. They could wear whatever they wanted to school. But it had to be clean and it had to be modest. That was our requirements. It had to be clean and modest. You're, you're going to be covered, and we want you to represent the family well and be clean so you don't stink, okay? Those were our requirements, okay? Oh, some of the outfits a couple of our girls wore. <laughs> and, and I have, you know, the, the, the thing that's happened in the last 10 or 15 years with wearing two socks that don't match? My daughter started that in the 90s, okay? Long before it ever became popular in the world, my daughters were doing that in the early 90s, okay? So I'll, I'll give them credit for starting that fad. But it, it, just, it just irks me. Um, it, it says... Let's see, the, the way he said, the fact that it would exclude Spurgeon and many others from our pastoral team causes me no loss of sleep. I'm sorry, to me, there's just a little sense of arrogance there. And, and I don't appreciate it. And, and I know if I told you who I would, you'd, you'd say, Pastor, shut up and sit down. <laughs> because the guy is well known and, and, and he preaches the word of God. And I enjoy listening to him preach. But I'm going to disagree with him here. I'm going to just disagree with him here. Because we're setting the standard that God said he's going to look at our hearts, not on the outward appearance, but over here is our set of standards and what we're going to impose on those people around us.
And that's exactly what's happening in chapter 16 that we thought the Jerusalem Council just settled the issue. And again, I take it back, the Jerusalem Council didn't settle the issue. Jesus Christ settled it. The Jerusalem Council just agreed with what Jesus did. And Tony uh, Morita in his commentary says, Paul knew Timothy would have constantly offended the Jews if he didn't get circumcised. So as a matter of missionary strategy and as a sign of respect to Jewish heritage, and as an attempt to maintain Jewish-Gentile unity, Timothy went through painful surgery. In time, his Jewish-Gentile background would allow him to bridge different cultures effectively. I know I mentioned several weeks ago, and this brings up this other, that just, it just gets under my skin, is that there, there's a group of Christians that will come up here in the summer and put on a concert over at the park. And the, the first 15 minutes of their concert is worldly rock music. Okay? And they, they say they do that to attract and draw people in. And then after they've been doing that for 15 minutes or so, then they'll switch to Christian music. And I just say, I, I disagree with that so wholeheartedly. Because what you're telling me is that the Holy Spirit is not powerful enough to draw those that he wants to draw to the, to the gospel, to hear the word of God. And, and maybe that's my personal problem. Maybe it's a little soapbox that I just got this cross stuck in my craw or this stick stuck in my craw, whatever. But you can't limit the Holy Spirit. You can't limit God and say, God, you, you're not capable, so we're going to help you. Your, your Holy Spirit doesn't have enough power to draw people to you that you want drawn. So we're going to help you. You need help. You can't do it. And, 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 and again, this is where I'm, I'm struggling because there's some common commentators that are, that are giants in the faith. And, and they're much more mature than I am. And so that's why I'm struggling with it. But at the same time, why... Why are we adding, our equation is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Why are we doing Jesus plus something equals everything? And, and so, even if you don't understand what I'm trying to say or my position today, the one thing I want you to take from this is always go to God's word. Whenever you hear a preacher, whenever you hear somebody teach or, or do something, Take it back to God's word and compare it to God's word and what God says. Because as, as, a, as a preacher, as a human being, I will be wrong from time to time. Hopefully less than more often, but I will be wrong. And, and if something I say twerks your ear and you go, that doesn't sound right, what are you going to judge that by? Go back to God's word. Pull up what God's word says about that. Not what John Michael says about that. Or not what Wearsby says or Moreta or, or Barnhouse or Matthew Henry or whoever. Take it back to God's word. And again, if you forget everything else that we've talked about this morning, just know that when somebody says something, take it to God's word. Use the truth, use the light of God's word to shine light on darkness if there's darkness.
Okay? And, and like I said, I, I, the, the reason I'm struggling and working things out is because I know that these are men of God that, that love the Lord and spent many more years than me studying and, and writing, and, and God has used their ministries amazingly. So I don't want to just discard them. But Jesus Christ resolved this matter. Now, and, 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 and I, I understand the argument here is in the first five verses of chapter 16 that they are not saying that Timothy needed to do this to be saved. I get that. And, and, and that's not what they're trying to say. They're not trying to say that he was circumcised so that he could be saved. That, that has no part of it. And, and, I, and I don't believe that they're trying to teach that. But what they're saying is, is that it would, it would assist in his ministry to not have this stumbling block because his mom was a Jew and his dad was a Greek. And, and being part of the Jewish family uh, lineage, the bloodline, that he needed to, to do that so that he could minister to the Jews and wouldn't be a stumbling block. I understand that we're not supposed to be stumbling blocks and that we need to be careful in, in, in how we live. And, and if you look up the word offend, like if you have Blue Letter Bible and, and look at it, it's really interesting all the times the word offend is used. And, and we are not to offend. We're to be very careful. Um, but I think that we can get out of our own way and just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and that his Holy Spirit has the power and is able to convict our hearts of sin whether I know that somebody's circumcised or not. So the lesson today is while you're working things out, Paul and Barnabas had to work it out and they didn't work too well together at it. But then, when it comes to chapter 16, and, and saying that this was necessary for Timothy to be able to minister uh, in, in the churches, and that it would cause less stumbling block, um, seek, seek out God's word. Seek out God's word when there's a question. It, it shouldn't be what you think or I think. It needs to be Philippians 2, the mind of Christ. Not your mind, not my mind. Not my preference, not your preference. But it needs to be the word of God. It needs to be the word. So focus, and in, in, like I say, if, you're, if I ever say something, and you kind of go, hmm, that doesn't sound quite right. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. Bring, bring, bring it to me. Bring the Word to me as well so that you can point out my error and that if, if I'm wrong with the Word of God that I get it straight because that's, that's where God's looking is at our hearts. Okay? To focus on the Word of God as we work it out. We're going to close in prayer. Um, then we'll give the ladies a couple minutes for the, to set up to linger longer. I encourage you to to stay around in fellowship. Father, we seek your face. We seek your word to know the truth. And Father, I pray that 
Anything I've said this morning would only be truth. That we would look to your word for knowledge and understanding. That we would ask your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and to give us wisdom. To give us faith. That we may rely completely and totally on you, God. I pray this that, that you would... Uh, Help us to enjoy our time of fellowship now. And that uh, the fellowship that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ would be a, uh, again, would just be a sweet-smelling savor to you, Father. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, don't re-